Do you have that feeling deep down inside that you were meant for something bigger? Feeling trapped in your life? You're in the right place. A place to listen to success stories. A place to hear about people who found their purpose and passion in life. And a place to learn how to overcome your fears. Welcome to a purposeful conversation with your host, Nico Curia. So um, I'm interviewing today uh, Deborah McPhillamy. Uh, she's an award-winning author, personal development trainer, facilitator, coach, and lecturer. Deborah focuses on emotional intelligence, and she specializes in nutrition and how it affects the immune system and the emotions, emotional intelligence, human behavior, the human mind, NLP, and uh, within some uh, things that she does. She also do more things. And they were passionate about helping people who have been disempowered to become empowered within other things as well. And this is the point that I really like about you when I came across uh, your profile. So I uh, came across Deborah uh, through a comment that she did in, um, in social media. And, and it was about... Uh, the brain and the three different brains that we have and and that's a subject that I really would like to to know more and um, because it's aligned with uh, with empowering people and how the brain works so before we we get into into that why don't you tell us a little bit about your story you how did you get to where you are well, how I got into this field was more through health issues, actually. Um, you know, up until about 1998, I was pretty unconscious. I didn't know much about the mind. I didn't know much about empowerment. Um, I was actually a blank canvas with regards to it. But I had been suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome for seven years. And it was debilitating. And I had small children. And um, I kept looking for a solution and I just couldn't find a solution because I was diagnosed in, I think it was 1990, 1991. And the doctor basically said to me, you've just got to live with this. You've got to survive. And at that stage, the internet wasn't really available. So I couldn't research and I was looking for books and I just couldn't find anything. And what subsequently happened was I actually became quite addicted to um, to diet medication because I felt that they gave me the energy to get me through the day because I was a single mom. Um, I had to work. There was no way that I couldn't work because, you know, in South Africa, I grew up in South Africa and, and spent most of my life there. You don't have the dull and unemployment. You don't have any fallback system. So if you don't have wealthy parents or if you don't have people to help you, you've got to work or you just won't eat. And, um, so for seven years, I was addicted to these diet pills to keep me awake. And I would come home at night and just crash from, you know, because you, you, you just hit those lows. Um, and it was an absolute nightmare. And um, one day, my mom, I went to my mom's house to go and have tea. And there was this book on her um, coffee table. And it was from a market, a, a multi-level marketing company, a book that had come from America. But it was all about how nutrition um, affects your well-being and how you can actually fix your body and your immune system by changing the way you eat. Mm -hmm. um, and up until then, I'd always been a terrible eater. You know, I was a single mom, always on the run. I used to live on toast and bovril. Um, so I never really paid attention to it. So anyway, I took this book home and I read it. And it was about this man in America who'd had stomach cancer and he had a massive tumor in his stomach. 
and his mom had died of stomach cancer and he felt that you know she had died more from the chemo and from how they sort of do the radiation and the poisoning of your system and so when he was diagnosed with the same thing he said no ways i'm not going to go through the same thing my mom did and he then discovered juicing i mean juicing now is all over the show but in 1998 it was a relatively new concept and he discovered juicing and he discovered this alternative cancer clinic um, place in Mexico mm. um, with a doctor who used to be an oncologist and also discovered how you can heal the body. Um, anyway, I read his book and I thought, you know what, if he can cure his cancer, which he did a year later, no cancer, no tumor, completely well. And I thought, if he can do that for cancer, I can do that for my chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to work, I took time off work and I said, I need to go home and heal my body. And within two weeks, I was a new person. I couldn't believe it. I'd actually taken a month off of work thinking, well, it was going to take me a month. But it only took me two weeks. Just during the juicing. I was juicing. I stopped eating meat, um, you know, because meat is very affected by hormones and antibiotics. So I stopped eating meat. Um, I baked my own bread with my own grains. I cleaned my water. That was very important to have filtered water. And I even used distilled water as well. Um, And I did juicing and I started eating lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, everything healthy that wasn't processed. So I kind of stopped eating processed food and started eating healthy food and food that I had control over. You know Mm. what I mean? That I knew what went into it. Um, and I changed my, my body completely and my health. And I was so excited, went back to work and I thought, how do people not know this stuff? Why aren't we taught this? Went to my doctor who funny enough was also suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome. And he said, what is going on? And I said to him, you're not going to believe this. You know, I changed my diet and he went, you know what, Deborah, he said in seven years, seven years, of medicine that you get taught to become a doctor. He said, we spent four hours on nutrition. That was it. Four hours. He said, we're not taught how nutrition affects the body. Anyway, so I then left my job. I flew to America. I was still in South Africa, as I said. Couldn't afford to pay for the training, but found this man online. And I thought, I have to go and learn from this author because people need to know this stuff. I sold my car. I didn't even think of the consequences of selling my car because at that stage in South Africa, you don't, you know, we didn't really have public transport. So Mm. we didn't have buses and trains and stuff. So if you didn't have a car, you couldn't get around. You couldn't take your kids to school. But I was so excited about learning from this man. Sold my car, flew to America. My children stayed with my brother and my parents for five to six weeks that I was there. And I went and learned from the man himself. Wow. Came back to South Africa. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> it was insane. And, yeah, and the sorry. spirit of the lion, just going to the unknown. Very good. I yeah. I wanted to learn from him. Um, but then what happened was um, I came back and I started teaching. Um, South Africa wasn't quite ready to hear it. There were a lot of people that were interested but it was also quite a hard thing to talk about because I was on the radio and, you know, people interviewing me and I got a lot of abuse from the meat board and a whole bunch of other companies phoning and saying, what are you talking about? These are lies. This is absolute rubbish. Even my friends laughed at me and said, this is absolute nonsense. Um, I started coaching people privately and helping them in the meantime. And 
with the, with the nutrition, just the nutrition at, at that time? Just the nutrition. Uh-huh. Because what I also realized though, subsequently later on, which I could come to later, is that when I went to America was when I became conscious. Because when I discovered how that I could heal my body, that mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to a doctor or anybody else, that it was up to me to heal my body and I could do that, yeah. something switched on in me, you know, and I became conscious and I started learning how I could be empowered over my own body. Yes. So anyway, so what happened um, about a year later, after all these people laughed at me and gave me a, a hard time, there was suddenly a huge documentary on TV and how they showed exactly what I'd been teaching them. They'd done all this research, they'd done all these experiments, and they'd done all these tests and discovered how meat was affected and how, you know, when, when antibiotics go into cows and chickens and stuff, we ingest it. Um, the hormones we ingested and it, it messes up our own hormones. So suddenly people started waking up and saying, well, actually, this is true. This is what happens. Anyway, I carried on with my merry way. And then five years later, I became ill again. And I was like, how can I be ill? I'm eating healthily. I exercise. Uh, you know, I'm doing all the right things I've been taught. I don't understand why I'm unwell again. And in that stage, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Now, fibromyalgia is an autoimmune disease or or disorder where your muscles contract all the time. It's a very, very painful condition. Mm -hmm. You can't sleep. It makes you exhausted. It's just absolutely terrible. Went back to my doctor and I said, you know, what do I do? Uh, do You know, you've told me I've got fibromyalgia. And he said to me, I'm going to send you to a specialist in Pretoria, which is sort of Johannesburg way. Yes, I've been there. Yeah. And he said to me, I want you to go and see him. He specializes in fibromyalgia. I went and saw the specialist in um, Pretoria and he injected me into all my muscles um, with Novocaine, you know, the the same antibiotic, not antibiotic, anesthesia that they use for dentistry. Yeah. But at the end of the conversation, he said, or end of the consultation, he said to me, fibromyalgia is caused by unresolved emotional issues. Mm-hmm. And I said, I actually was quite offended because I was like, what do you know about my life? You know, how do you know I have unresolved emotional issues? And he said to me, well, tell me about your life. So I said, well, I'm divorced. I've come out of an abusive marriage, uh, was bullied as a child. And he said, have you ever healed from it? And I went, no, how do I do that? So he didn't tell me how to do it. He just said, well, go and find the answer. There's your problem. You've got all this unresolved emotional stuff that you haven't dealt with. Went back to um, where I was working and as serendipity would have it, my boss had just come back from America where he'd worked for a long time. And he said to me, Deb, you have to find us a trainer. I was working for an entrepreneurial incubator. And he says, you've got to find us a trainer that will teach our entrepreneurs about emotional intelligence. And I said, what is emotional intelligence? And he gave me um, the book by, what's his name? The guy who wrote the first book, Daniel Goldman. He gave Mm -hmm. me Daniel Goldman's book and he said, this is what it is. He said, but you need to find somebody based in South Africa. And I really struggled. And then I found two doctors who had written about emotional intelligence so I bought their book, I read their book, and then I found another woman empowerment um, woman as well, 
and I read her book, but none of them were training. Um, and then at the same time, though, what happened is I read an article by a guy called David Patient, and he was the longest surviving um, person at the time who had HIV and it had not turned into AIDS. So he had the virus and he was living with the virus. Mm-hmm. And his email address was in this article and I emailed him and I said to him, didn't tell him about um, what the fibromyalgia specialist had said. I just said to him, my body's sick again. Um, I'm doing the right thing, but I don't know how to fix it. I read your story. And um, he came back to me and he said, the body never lies. The symptoms tell me you have unresolved emotional issues. (laughs) But he sent me his manuscript. He was writing a book at the time, which was all about the shadow. And it was all about a subject called P&I. So when that happened, and with my boss, with the emotional intelligence, I had found the solutions to healing um, what was going on in my mind so that I could heal my body. Um, I then wore these doctors down and I said to them, please, can you teach me everything you know? I need to know this stuff. I need to teach it. People need to know this stuff. And they went, no, 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 we don't do that. Read the book. And I said, you can't just have a book and not teach people this stuff. You can't learn as much from a book. And after about six months, I got an email from them saying, right, we put together a course. We will train you and teach you everything you know. Come and spend some time with us in Johannesburg. And at that stage, I think they had three or four other people who had made inquiries as well. So they put the very first mastermind group together in South Africa to teach emotional intelligence. And that's how the whole thing came about. And then obviously I furthered my studies from there, but that was the whole way it started. Wow. Fascinating. (laughs) But you knew at some level when they told you that there's emotional issues unresolved, somehow you knew that it was right. I did. It kind of resonated with me because, I mean, I knew I had, I didn't actually think I had problems in all honesty. I didn't, you don't, you know, you know, your life is, goes through a series of drama and you know that you have this pain and you have this anger and you have this resentment and you have all these emotions, but no one actually tells you what to do with it. No one says to you, well, actually you can heal those emotions or actually those emotions are from trauma or actually those emotions come from deep-seated beliefs. So, you know, people just go through life thinking life happens to them. Yeah. And I actually just felt, well, life had happened to me and that was my life and I had to just keep moving on and surviving and moving forward. And now you help people to make them understand that life could be better. You just don't need to carry all that in your shoulders. Exactly, because the thing is about, I think what a lot of people don't know is emotions are energy. And emotions, when you don't deal with them and when you suppress them, what happens is they actually go, you know, you suppress them into your body. They become part of your energy field. Um, And they just get stuck. And they're also, they're obviously part of the emotional brain and and the memories. So you keep reliving the stuff over and over. So something that maybe happened to you as a two-year-old, as a three-year-old, yeah. Then it happens to you as a 30-year-old, and, and it's, it's the same situation. It's, yeah. it's exactly the same situation. So if you don't get rid uh, of this... Uh, unless you're aware, unless someone makes you aware that, yeah, there is other ways. That's right. And would you say that that is your purpose now, to help people? Oh, my goodness. I mean, my purpose was completely awakened by that, but so much so that... At, at what point? What happened? The reason why I ask you this is because this is what I help people with and, and, you know, having inspiring 
stories and people sharing how did they kind of got the aha moment where, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'll tell you when it really happened for me, besides the, the nutritional side, which is where obviously all my coaching and everything started, all my education and, and teaching was it, because I obviously felt that, um, you know, with my chronic fatigue, I felt so much better and I was able to have a better quality of life and also because I was responsible for my children, you know, because I remember at the time when I was, because I've had two sort of aha moments and the one was, um, when they told me that I had to live with chronic fatigue syndrome and that that's the way I, I would have to survive, I, for the first time, wanted to commit suicide because I was like, I can't live like this. I can't exist like this because chronic fatigue is horrific. You can't wake up. Um, you're so tired. It feels like you're in a coma. You hear things going on, but you're sleeping. You, it, the symptoms are awful. There's horrible symptoms. There's blackouts. There's all sorts of things. And but in that moment, when I thought, you know what, I'm going to just drive my car into the closest tree and end my life, I thought of my children. And I thought, well, they don't deserve that. I chose to have them. Mm -hmm. They're my responsibility. So I need to find that solution not only for myself, but for my children. So that was kind of my first aha moment. And then obviously, you know, making that sacrifice of getting rid of my car and leaving my small children to go to America to study. That was hard. That was really hard. But I was doing it because I wanted to do it for them so I could be responsible for them, so that I could um, feed them, you know, raise them. I wanted to be there for them. So that was the first time. Then when I went and did um, my emotional intelligence training, I'll never forget the moment that one of the, the doctors was sitting at the table and she said, all the emotions you feel are yours and it's completely, totally and unacceptable. And I went, and she said, it's normal. It's absolutely normal. Whatever you feel is normal. And I went, normal? So all this anger, this disappointment, the sadness, this is normal for a human being? And she went, yes, it's completely normal. And just because somebody else doesn't get it, doesn't make it wrong. It's normal. And then she said a second thing. And she said, um, somebody else's bad behavior is not your fault. Because up until then, I thought that I was broken, that there was something wrong with me. You know, because when you're bullied as a child and people do horrible things to you, you think there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. you know, when you get hidings as a child, we got hidings as a child. You know, I grew up in that era and in South Africa where people believe that you give children hidings. You know, you were disciplined. It was, it was horrible. So the people that love you and raise you give you hidings. So as a child, you're like, why am I being physically hurt? Um, there must be something wrong with me. So those were, you know, pivotal moments in my life where I thought, I can't ever, ever allow my children to feel this way because my children have always been my world, my whole world, my life, my children are my everything because, you know, I've just always wanted to be children, funny enough. Up until then, my purpose was my children. I just wanted to be a fantastic mother. I've just always wanted to love children and be with children and have children. Mm -hmm. But when I 
realized that I thought I have to teach this to my kids because I do not ever want them growing up feeling they're broken. They're not enough. They're not acceptable. They're not loved. Um, and at that stage, they had, you know, they'd been started being bullied at school as well. And I didn't have the solution to help them. But when I started on this journey of training and stuff, I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach my kids and then I'm going to teach other people's kids because somebody needs to tell people that this is not normal to feel broken and that you're not enough and that there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that's when it became my purpose. That's wonderful. And that's what you have behind you, the bears of Blueberry Forest. Yeah, those are my little guys that help me to teach and help children to understand their emotions. So, yeah, that's my book series and, and the series that we use to help children. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. I do something very similar but, uh, with adults. So, but you're totally right. Uh, if you can tackle the problem as, as young as possible, then uh, it's, it's way better. Yeah. So how does the... Uh, what we were talking about the three different brains how do you how can you explain that, about that and how do you relate with what you do okay so the brain and the mind are actually not the same thing a lot of people think the brain and the mind is the same but it's not but a lot of people refer to it as you know as the same thing because the brain you have different parts of the brain as you know so you have the bottom brain the middle brain the top brain and then you have the left side of the brain and the right brain so And different parts of the brain have different roles and responsibilities. So, for instance, the right-hand side of the brain controls the left-hand side of your body. The left-hand side of the brain controls the right-hand side of your body. But then also the right-hand side is responsible for your creativity and the left-hand is for the logical um, and, you know, all the, the structures and stuff that you understand. Now, the reptilian brain is the, the most, the oldest part of the brain, you know, because this is a part of the brain And it's called the reptilian because a lot of reptiles still only function from that brain because the brain has evolved over the years. We didn't always have these different parts of the brain. And there's also only certain parts of the brain that get switched on at different stages and at different ages. So the reptilian part of the brain is the bottom part of the brain. And that tells your body when to eat, when to sleep, when to procreate, kind of survives. It's the survival brain. It's the, the instinctive brain. Then you get the middle part of the brain, and this is where your emotional brain sits. And the emotional how, part... How is it called, the middle one? The monkey brain? No. Some people call it the monkey brain because it's just the behavior of the brain, and they say because it's all over the show and it jumps around. But the, the middle part of the brain um, is where the amygdala sits. Mm-hmm. And which is the emotional brain. And it's actually just right here above your ear. And it's the size of an almond. It's tiny. Okay. And then your rational brain, the logical brain, sits at the top. And this is where you make all your conscious decisions. So the middle part of the brain is where all the emotions and the memories are housed. So the old part is yeah. So that's all about survival, emotions and memory in the middle. And the top is all about logical. Now, How this works is that it works in conjunction with the mind. Now, if you look at the brain and you think about the brain, this is your storage, it's your hardware. So if you think about a computer, your brain is the hardware and your mind is the software because your mind is attached to your thoughts um, and the connections and the energy um, and the, 
that the mind is what connects us to everybody because your thoughts mm -hmm. create frequencies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens with your survival brain is that when you experience trauma and with the mind, so I'm going to talk about the mind. So when you experience trauma, your mind buries all that stuff into the unconscious part of the mind because there's two sections of the mind as well. You've got the unconscious mind and you've got the conscious mind. And your unconscious mind is more than 90% of your mind, which is absolutely crazy. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there's, there's less than 10% of what we're conscious of. Now, some scientists will say to you that there's also a, a, um, an unconscious and a subconscious. And how they explain the subconscious is where it's almost like this little holding area just below the conscious mind. Um, to give you an example, so say for instance, um, you come home, you have your car keys, you put it down, you momentarily forget where you've put them. That information is housed in the subconscious brain. The unconscious side of the, of the brain and the mind is that all the stuff that you've learned as you've been growing up, so the first seven years of your life, you are programmed with all this information. Yeah. So that all goes to the unconscious. The subconscious is that little middle section where it's just a momentary um, forgetfulness where you just go, okay, I don't know where that is because you don't need access to that information right now, but you will need it in a little bit. Unconscious is where all your programs are stored. So how it works is, so say for instance, you have a trauma um, or there's a belief that you've been raised with that program, it all gets stored. Yeah. You don't think about it. You, for instance, you drive a car. You don't get into the car and go, okay, um, I need to turn the key. I need to put my foot on the, on the clutch. I need to put my foot on the brake. I need to change gears. You just do it because you've programmed that information and therefore it goes to the unconscious part. And how it fits in with your emotions is the only way that you can access all those old programs and how you can access the unconscious mind is through your emotions. There's no other way to get to it because it's so deeply buried. It's part of your programming. As I said, it's the same as your computer or your laptop. You program it. You don't know how it works, how it functions. It just runs in the background. Yeah. So it does your unconscious mind. So emotional intelligence is yeah. very connected to that because if you want to access that information, you have to go through your emotions. How do you do that, for, okay. for example? So say, for instance, your mother has a terrible fear of spiders. Mm -hmm. Now, you as a little child, you've never met a spider before. You don't know what the spider is. Yes. You're very curious. You look at it. You go up to it. Oh, a little spider, something new to, to see. Your mother sees. She goes, oh, my goodness, get away from that. That spider is going to bite you or, or whatever it's poisonous it's dangerous yeah. so all her emotion has now told you that you should be scared of that spider you get a fright you obviously start probably start crying because children do start crying when the parent overreacts yeah now suddenly this child has imprinted a belief about spiders being dangerous and fearful so that belief drops down to your unconscious mind you don't know it's there. But the next time you see a spider, you react based on that fear 
or based on that program that has been instilled in the unconscious mind. How do you change that? How do you revert the process? So the only way you can revert it is because to... I guess, sorry, this, yeah, I guess this is uh, related to people who believe they have a low self-worth or, or low confidence. How, how, that's the emotion. So how do you revert that? Okay. Well, the very first thing about emotional intelligence is to become self-aware. And a lot of people know, the only emotions they know are love, anger, hate, sadness, fear. Honestly, it's about seven emotions. They don't ever consider that there's more emotions or there's different levels of emotions. So the first thing when I take people through a course is to become aware of your emotions and I take them through a various process because until you know how to label and identify the emotions, you are not going to be able to deal with it because emotions are just the signals of what is going on. Negative emotions and how you feel about a negative emotion you, or an irrational emotion that you feel is usually attached to a deeper-seated issue or deeper-seated belief and program about what you've learned. So self-worth, for instance, self-worth comes from teaching children at a young age what they can do. It's about encouraging them building their confidence, simple things like giving them chores. Do you know that there's so few people that actually think about it in this term? So if you say to a child, for instance, I want you to wash the dishes or I want you to do this. Parents generally don't teach their children how to do that because first of all, there's a the fear that they're going to hurt themselves or a fear that they're going to break something or there's yeah. a fear that they're going to make a mess or yeah. there's a fear that they're not going to do it right. Something will go wrong. Something will go wrong. There's always something will go wrong. Something that they inherited from their parents exactly. when they were kids. Exactly. So self-worth gets taught at a young age by teaching children chores. It's not slavery. It's not simple chores. Teach them how to make their bed and then tell them how, what a good job they've done. But parents, because they've picked up a lot of stuff from their own childhood, where maybe they had a parent where it's not good enough or they were very strict or or whatever, that stuff gets passed down from generation to generation. So the way you tackle it is, as I say, you first become self-aware of your emotions because you need the words, you need a dictionary of emotions, you need to know how to label it. You can't... point it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you learn how to speak English. They teach you words so that you know what to do with the language. So emotions are the same thing. It's a language all of its own. So you first teach them the actual words. Then you teach them what are the symptoms of those feelings. And how you do that is you make people aware of what's going on in their body. So I take them through a process of how do they actually feel? I get them to recapture a feeling to recapture a memory they had as a child. So say, for instance, the fear of the, the spider, you know, to go back into their state of mind. I want you to think about it again. What did it feel like? And as you're experiencing that memory, yeah. what is going on in your body? Tell me what's going on in your body. Maybe your hands are sweaty. Maybe your heart is pounding. Maybe you have butterflies in your tummy, you know. So teaching them how to actually become connected to their body and the symptoms of what those emotions are. So the emotional and the physiological, they put it together. Completely. 
you know, they're so connected. So, and and this is the biggest reason that humanity has such a big problem with stress and illness because people go, I'm stressed. I feel stressed. They go to the doctor, they go and get an antidepressant, they go to get a Valium, they, they get whatever because they don't know why they feel stressed. But if they realize and become aware of the physicality that's going on in your body. They trigger, so. Yeah, and then you find out, okay, why am I stressed? I'm fearful. I'm fearful that I can't pay the bills at the end of the month. Okay, why can I not pay the bills at the end of the month? Okay, because I'm not working um, or my business is not doing well. Why is my business not doing well? Well, I have this fear that I'm going to be rejected and that you know people aren't going to buy my stuff or it's not going to be good enough. So there's this all this stuff going on. But when you discover that underlying emotion, because, because here's the thing, all our negative feelings are actually just secondary emotions. So anger or fear is a secondary emotion based on something else that's going on. Mm-hmm. So you take them through that process of first labeling their feelings, then labeling the symptoms, becoming aware of the symptoms, and then looking at it and going, okay, let's look at this emotion and peel off the layers and go, I'm fearful. Why am I fearful? Um, or I'm angry. Why am I angry? And then get to the underlying cause. And when you get to the underlying cause, you discover it's basically because of some program or irrational belief that you created based on what your parent did or created on a perception. So because we create our own beliefs as well. You know, we look at something, we interpret it, and it becomes a belief. Yeah. So I believe it's uh, an idea that we repeat it again and again and again until we believe that is true. That's right. So sometimes when we create that belief, um, it self-perpetuates itself, as you say. It's like a little program that you switch on. It's like a little something you open up, you switch it on, and I'm scared of spiders. Now, it's like just like your computer, it's running in the background. Yeah. And it doesn't switch off until you go back and switch it off. Yeah. Because you believe spiders are dangerous, so it's always there. Your mind is looking for spiders. As you're growing up, you're now an adult, wherever you go, you go outside, oh my goodness, there might be a spider here. You're not even aware you're doing it because your mind is always busy. It's always active. It's looking for the dangers. But when your mind is always looking for the danger, for the spider, do you believe that the spider shows up all the time? Say that again? When, when we are looking for the spider or with the fear or the anxiety of there might be a spider, there must be a spider somewhere, there's always a spider showing up. <laughs> Do you believe in that or not? Completely. I mean, my, my first book that I wrote was called The Relationship Magnet because I was bullied as a child and abused as a wife. And so my book was about how I didn't even know it was called The Law of Attraction at the time because my book came at the same time the secret movie came out. And it was all about how we attract things into our life based yeah. on what we believe. Because as you say, if there's a program running, so your mind looks for it, yeah. looking for the spider, so it's going to find the spider, you know, it's going to attract it to you. So, and it works yeah. like that with anything. Okay, so disempowered people or uh, unconfident people is all about them having this idea that they are not uh, courageous or uh, confident enough. So um, how do you revert that? First, you, based on what you just said, first try to connect with the, well, with the emotion, become aware of that, then uh, see what happened in your body, the physiological side, um, which I guess, I don't know, body posture, the way you walk, the way you speak, there are 
uh, ways that you can either do it, you know, in a shy way or in more confident way. And then uh, how 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 do you, how just the process goes from there? It's just forcing yourself, like you know, I'm scared to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, there was that whole thing where they came up with this whole thing about feel the fear and, and do it anyway. And I mean, we did all that stuff in the beginning because that's all we knew how to do. So, you know, you taught how to, you have a program and you can't just take out a program of, of the mind because you'll actually leave a space. So you've got to replace it with a new program. So obviously people then came up with affirmations and they said you can fool the mind into believing. Um, so if you, for instance, say I'm scared of spiders, you can say spiders are safe and you can change it. But that's actually quite a lot of hard work because you've got to keep doing it over and over. So in the beginning, I used to say to people, you know, write up little cards, stick it all over, say it when you go to bed at night. But new ways have been discovered where you can actually imprint this information straight into um, your mind. And so you can use things like um, hypnosis, you can use matrix reimprinting, um, you know, emotional freedom technique. But we've also come up with other ways that you can do it. And, you know, I talk about it in the program. But there are different ways that you can set a new program in your unconscious mind that will kind of go down straight away. So, but it is a bit of a process because, as you said earlier, you know, your body and your mind, they're all connected. So you've got to make it congruent mm. because it doesn't just help you keep saying to yourself and practicing lots of affirmations and going, you know, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Your body might not believe it. Mm -hmm. So it has to be congruent in terms of, you know, various things that you do with your body as well as the way you feel about, you know, so that emotion is very important. So you've got to get yourself in a state of where you actually believe it. So usually you kind of just start off with something small uh, because a lot of people don't always believe it. But, you know, so you teach them a certain little technique and they start off small and they have a little aha moment and they go, oh my goodness, this stuff works or it feels amazing. You know, then you can teach them more, but you have to start off with something small. Yeah, something that they, they can prove to them that it, it works. Because everything is about belief. And the thing is about empowerment. When you say to me about, you know, helping people become empowered, there's still the majority of the human race that thinks that only other people can do things for them. They still look up at doctors and the medical profession like they're gods. They're not gods. Mm. They've just been taught emotion, you know, not emotion, they've been taught this information. Um, and I think that is the biggest hurdle for people to overcome is to go, well, actually... Take responsibility. I can change this and just change something small. I'll tell you whose book I absolutely loved when it came out. Um, was Pam Grout. Um, she did E squared and then E cubed. And her book is all about these little experiments of how you can change things and that there's this energy out there and that we energy. So, you know, I always say to people, you know, even if you don't believe me and even if you don't want to come and do our process and come and do our program, read her book and start off with those small 
experiments and pick one so it can, you can see that it works for you. And simple little experiments like um, how you can affect your own flowers. Or, I mean, so one of the things that I do with, with parents and children is that, you know, I explain to them that when you're feeling stressed and erratic, your child picks up on it and their behavior changes. Hmm. They become stressed and erratic. If you don't have a child, when you're feeling stressed and erratic, look at the behavior of your pet, your dog, because your dog and your child will pick it up. And the reason that they pick it up, especially if a child is under the age of seven, is that before the age of seven, a child's mind and brain operates on a complete different level. I mean, the first two years, they just sponge. It's just an absolute sponge. There's yeah. no filter going yeah. on. So they pick up everything that goes on. So the minute you become calm and you just go through a process of actually just calming yourself down and doing a bit of meditation and feeling peaceful, you'll see immediately how your child's behavior changes and how your pet's behavior changes. So, I mean, that's the, one of them, the proof of the evidence of how when you become calm it affects other people around you other things um you know if i say to somebody have you ever gone to work and you've walked into the office and you know before you even spoken to your boss that they're in a bad mood yeah That's because emotions are contagious yeah when i meditate uh, and i go deep in my meditation my dog goes crazy like wake up like she's trying to pull me back into this life <laughs> the opposite um, so how is it true in, in your experience? You know, they say that it takes 21 days to change a habit. Yeah, I mean, it, changing a habit, you can do it kind of in the hard way because 21 days is when you kind of keep doing things over and over and over and over again. So you're practicing it. So everything about us is habits. Um, and... So I've always looked at 21 days. You can change it sooner, but generally, I mean, there's now people that say it actually takes up to six weeks to change a habit. But I often think... I mean, we're talking about these emotional deep habits. I'm not talking about changing the L grade tea for a chamomile tea. That probably will take an hour or less. Um, and so... Um, I, um, I'm talking about the emotional ones, the deep ones, uh, like becoming more confident. No. So I believe that you can change it within a few hours or a day. So wow. at the moment, I'm working with somebody who's doing a seven-day intensive Yeah. Um, because he felt so depressed and so unhappy and wanted to change his life. So he's taken seven days off. And all he does is the instructions I give him every single day. And he's just doing an absolute intensive because he's got so much pain and so many beliefs and so much emotion he needs to get rid of that he's committed to doing it. Yeah. And every day the feedback I get from him is just phenomenal. He's like, oh, my goodness, I can't actually believe this has just happened or this has worked because you can do it. So if you, for instance, use EFT and then the re-imprinting programs that we use, you can do it in a day. You can today sort out what is going on, get rid of those beliefs, go through all the visual, the imagery and the stuff that you need to do, and tomorrow morning you'll wake up a different person. But 
how you do it, the first step to that is that you have to really want to. Yes, commitment. Because I've worked with a lot of people that go, oh, you know, I feel like this and I really should change it, but they're not really committed to doing the work. Because that already is just a wish, a desire. That's right. It's like you were saying before, it's like there's a kind of a child attitude in this adult body, which is, you know, not taking responsibility for your own life. And um, yes, you need to have the, the, the burning desire from within to make those changes. And, and have a clear plan, an action plan. I think that that was that what really helps to, to have a clear direction of what you want to do. Yeah. Okay, well, excellent. Thank you very much for your time. And what, what are you doing at the moment? Like if people would like to contact you, is there any workshop program? How, is, do you have anything going on? I do. Um, so I've got two passions. Um, as I said, I work with children, but I don't, I, I teach more the parents and the teachers how to help the children. So I do a lot of train the trainer courses. So I've got an online program and that kicks off again on the 29th of January. Yeah. Okay. I've got a webinar next week, actually a free webinar. So if people want to know more information, they can sign up for the free webinar. So all of that stuff can be, can be found on setiesinc.com. Okay. Now that is all about, but what a lot of stuff that we focus on is helping children to recover and prevent bullying because that for me is, you know, it's such an important thing and bullying is such a massive epidemic at the moment in the world. And yeah. uh, teaching children how to get rid of and prevent that, but also to recover from it, because I'll just quickly tell you something about bullying, is that bullying happens and perpetuates when a child believes the person who's bullying them the very first time. If they know not to believe what has been said or been done, that bullying will not perpetuate. Because, say for instance, there's a child on the playground and somebody calls them a horrible name or they try and hurt them and that child immediately say, accepts the trauma or experiences that trauma and says, oh my goodness, this is because I'm a bad person or I'm not enough. And sometimes it's a very unconscious process that happens. That child then keeps drawing unto them all those bullying experiences. But when you teach them how to not accept what's happening and that it's not about them, you'll find that they won't be a victim of bullying. So it can be prevented. So it's, it's quite important for me that parents understand this. You can prevent your child from being bullied. Hmm. And if they have been bullied, you can change that switch. You can switch that you know, you can switch that switch off in the brain and in the mind so it doesn't happen or keep happening. Because if you don't, it carries on to adulthood. So that's the one thing that we really, really focus on. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I've got something called selfie school. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about self. And, you know, what is self? And how do you realign yourself? And who are you? So it's all about unpacking all that rubbish. But we do it in a way that you don't spend days and days and days crying in your soup because we've got these techniques that we've developed 
on how you actually just get rid of it and replace it. So it runs over a seven-week period, and there's seven selfies. Um, and so we, we focus on a different selfie every week, and that's an online program as well. And I absolutely love it because it's fun and it's color-coordinated, and, you know, we do certain techniques and stuff. Um, and that's due to start again in February. So those are the two things that are going on. And so they're, they're both online? They're both online. So I've got two websites. The one's DebraMcFillamy.com, where you'll yeah. find info on my selfie school. And then the stuff for parents and teachers and children are on teddiesinc.com. Okay. Excellent. So, well, yeah. thank you very much again for, for your time. I love the, the, the conversation and learning about uh, the different minds and how we get there. And, uh, yeah, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm going to share this with my audience. and. Uh, inspire other people. I think we're all here in a mission. Like uh, Tihav Eker, do you know Tihav Eker? I love Tihav Eker, yeah. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> uh, he says, usually our purpose in life is hiding or behind uh, our biggest fears or challenges or, or traumas that, that we have in, in, in life. Yeah. So now I can see where you're coming from with, with all this. Wonderful. You're very welcome. I've really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you. Bye for now. Okay, Nika. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to A Purposeful Conversation with your host, Nico Curia. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe. And for more great content, NicoCuria.com, on Twitter at Nico underscore Curia, and Facebook.com slash Nico Curia Coach. We'll catch you next time on A Purposeful Conversation.